you see it time and time again where, you know, mom or dad um, have to go to work and the, the children are left at home uh, many times, uh, you know, 12, 14 hours a day to manage the household or to take care of their siblings. Quality child care is the last thing I think that they think about when, you know, they've got to put food on the table, they have to pay the rent, they have to pay the utilities, and um, a lot of times with no help from someone else. Welcome to the Drop-Off. Epic conversations about the workforce of today and the talent of tomorrow. Featuring candid, pointed conversations with influential business leaders. Here's your host, Nicole Reel. Thanks for tuning in to The Drop-Off. I'm Nicole Reel, and today I'm pleased to welcome Stacy Packard, president of Dell West Management Corporation. Stacy is very involved in the community as she has been in property management and primarily affordable housing for 35 years. She's worked with Dell West now for four years, and Stacy is also one of our Epic executive and board members. Thanks for joining us today, Stacy. Thanks for having me, Nicole. All right. Well, we're going to dive into some of the personal questions just to get to know you a little bit more at first. Uh, can you tell us more about yourself and your professional experience? And also, how did you get involved in the affordable housing sector? So as you said, I've been in property management for well over 35 years. I was lucky enough to have a mother and a grandmother in real estate. And my mom had one of the largest fee property management companies in Denver. So I worked with her for many years and I feel like I was taught by the best. She did a lot of primarily with all affordable housing. She always had a passion for that. I, I grew up in um, Section 8 housing until she got on her feet. So early in life, I, I think I had a good understanding of where people were coming from. And obviously seeing her as a single mother try to navigate this whole life of being a professional woman, owning her own business eventually with a child. So um, I think I had a little bit of insight there. And I, 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 it takes me back when I do look at some of the families that we have and think, you know, what they're struggling through or, or not, you know, and how, how we can make things better. But um, as I said, I've been in the business for 35 years. I'm married, have two kids of my own that are grown and doing great. And my daughter's getting married in September. So we're looking forward to that. But um, so that's a little bit about me. Yeah, well, thank you for sharing. I think it's, um, it, you know, it's fascinating to hear that you've been in this business for so long. It sounds like this might have even been your first job or one of your first jobs working with your mom in this industry. But I think also super interesting that you know, you know, what that experience is like living in Section 8 housing and really um, understanding that experience firsthand, too. Absolutely. Yeah, she was. Um, I remember, I think I did lease, I did lease steps. I did everything I could from about 15 on. She, <laughs> she could always call on me. So, um, but you know, I think one thing creative that she did and was the best for me is I filled every position. I didn't start at the top. I did leasing. I did cleaning of apartments. I worked on site. I lived on site. Um, and then I did a lot of the administration for the management company itself. So I think I was lucky in that respect. So I got to learn a little bit about every position um, that someone can hold in a, in a management company. 
Yeah. Well, there's a lot to be said for learning through experience and having done all those jobs yourself, right? And wearing all of those hats at some point too. Super important. Well, awesome. I, you know, I recently attended a groundbreaking with Del West, which was a great event at the Holly 38 project in Denver. Uh, so would you mind telling us a little bit about that project and, and what your team is working on right now there? Um, we are in the process. It's been a long process so far. Uh, we're doing a large project of affordable housing on 38th and Holly, thus the Holly 38 name, 253 affordable units. And um, we are beyond excited to be doing this project. It means a lot to Joe and I. We're, we'll be in the middle, kind of 80% of the uh, median income. And so we'll be able to serve people a lot more people, I think, in that area. And uh, we're really looking forward to it. We've got a huge community space going in as well as um, some childcare, which makes me more excited than anything. Yay, so, makes me um, excited too. <laughs> yes, it does. It does. It's going to be a great project. Yeah, well, and I think what's also really great about that project too is uh, there are a number of three and four bedroom units that are being built there, if I recall correctly, from the groundbreaking, which is really unique in the industry, right? I think that's something that you don't find as often. We don't. And, you know, I think when when we sat down to plan this and we looked at what we're missing in the portfolio now, Joe was like, you know, we've got to be able to serve uh, larger families. And so he, he really, he moved things around and it went back to the drawing board quite a bit of times just to, just to make sure that we could fit those four bedrooms in and the three bedrooms, especially. So it's such a huge need. It really is unbelievable. Well, that's great that you'll be able to serve more families who have obviously, you know, perhaps multiple children in their families too, at this location. And I think I also heard too, that this location is where, the Metro Taxi headquarters used to be. Is yes. that true? Yes. Yeah, yeah. very true. So, and we're pretty proud of that. I mean, I know it's funny, but we're very proud of that. Yeah. And uh, so the the, um, the building itself will have kind of a Metro Taxi theme. And we were when we were um, grading and and doing some of the work, the pre construction work, we found a lot of little signs and things like that that would fit on the taxi cab. So. Those will be part of the design at uh, Holly 38. Well, I think it's also kind of a cool full circle thing, right? To think about, you know, of course, we're always talking about how the world is changing and evolving. And right, of course, um, you know, things have changed greatly across the world in terms of transportation and housing, right? In all sorts of sectors. But I think to see a space that was once used as that uh, location for Metro Taxi now being used as, you know, places where families can find attainable and affordable homes is, is a really great story. And I think a really great use of that land. So that's really exciting. As we think about Del West and their work, you know, I think uh, Del West in particular, as I've worked with a lot of different partners in the affordable housing space, you know, it seems like your team really takes the time to understand the communities that you're going into and what those needs are. Um, how how does that happen with your team? Is there a process there? And you know, is that just part of the values that you that you hold there as a company? Like, you know, tell me more about that and and really how that works into your process as developers. I think that's a great, a, a really great point, Nicole. And I have worked for other developers, obviously. I've worked for other uh, building owners. And nobody 
why it does it the way Joe does, Joe Delgado does this, it, it's complete immersion almost uh, in a community. And when we go into the community, we try to really understand who's living there and, you know, go to every community meeting we possibly can, understand what the businesses are are going through or doing. So we spend a lot of time understanding what brought everybody to that community in the first place. So like with Holly 38, we went to the community meetings, spent time with the neighbors, understood what their needs are. I think that one thing that we always try to go forward with is respect. And we try to respect the community. We respect what they've built, what, what is already there for us. We never go into community where we don't utilize those services in that community. So, for instance, in Commerce City, we just done a, a, a big development. We only use people who work in Commerce City. So, we have restaurants, anything you can think of, banks, credit unions. We try to, we try to really utilize their services um, because we want to be part of who they are. And I don't think that you can do a building of this magnitude without understanding what's going on in the neighborhood and understanding what the people who many of them have lived there all their life. It's generational many times. And so um, they, their grandparents live there. Uh, they, they haven't left the area. So it's really understanding what their needs are. I think we spend a lot of time, years, sometimes two or three years understanding that. Yeah. So really becoming part of the fabric of that community. And I and what I'm also hearing too is creating economic development opportunity for other small businesses and individuals in those communities as you're thinking about this large-scale investment in housing development in the community. How can you bring in some of those other you know, business owners and partners locally and help lift those individuals or businesses up as well? Yeah, absolutely. So shifting into uh, a little bit of a, you know, a, associated but different topic, right? Early care and education. Uh, I'd love to talk to you. You know, you mentioned, of course, your background in affordable housing, but also that you were raised by a single mother. So I'm curious about your insights into the relationship between affordable housing and access to quality childcare and early education for children. How do those two areas intersect in your work and in your own experience? Why are those so um, interlinked, I guess you would say, if they are. They are. And I think, I don't think you can be, for for me, it's personal. For Joe, it's personal. But I don't think that you can be in affordable housing and not understand that the two have to meet. I think that if you see what goes on day to day and you really understand who's living in your building, you see it time and time again where, you know, mom or dad um, have to go to work and the, the children are left at home uh, many times, you know, 12, 14 hours a day to manage the household or to take care of their siblings. Quality child care is the last thing I think that they think about when, you know, they've got to put food on the table, they have to pay the rent, they have to pay the utilities, and um, a lot of times with no help from someone else. And so how could you think of housing people in a certain income level in Denver and expect them to pay such high rent and also pay for a quality, affordable childcare. So how right. would you not think that having um, a childcare center in your building 
would benefit those that live there. It's absolutely imperative that it happen, and I can't believe it's taken us this long to get here to understand that. And still, um, as you know, Nicole, we we have to push. You know, we have to make people understand that the convenience and that how important it is for mom or dad to be able to say, I can, you can go downstairs. I can drop you off. You can be here for the 12 hours. I know you're safe. I know you're getting what you need, meals. Um, many times our kids don't eat during the day. Um, they have the one meal a day when, when mom or dad get home. And so, you know, being at, at a place where you can have snack, free snacks, free lunch, and a, a good place to stay until your mom gets home, I think is super important. And a lot of times people just don't think about that because they're, you know, they're able to provide that, you know, think, oh gosh, you know, how in the world, how in the world could somebody do that? Well, it's pretty easy, you know, to have to do that when you have to. Right. When you you have to make those really hard choices. Yeah, exactly. You know, do you go to work so that you can pay your rent and put food on the table or, you know, stay, stay with your kid or, you know, and, and like you said, taking for granted the fact that even when my nine-year-old is at home, if I'm working from home and she can go into our, you know, pantry and our cabinets and we have food readily available. I think it's easy to take that for granted. Absolutely. You know, and I know for me growing up, my mom was gone all the time working. For me, my whole family was working. There there was no grandma. There was no uh, somebody that could jump in and help. So I did spend an awful lot of time alone through no fault of her own, but hours and hours alone for some kids is very, very difficult. And I think people think, okay, well, you know, they'll sleep in, they're going to watch TV all day, don't open the door to anybody, but they're in that apartment all day long by themselves. And the loneliness and, you know, yeah. like you said, just, just being with other kids even is important. Yeah, so, yeah, for sure. I know you shared with me in the past a couple of stories where your property management team has you know, come across children, young children who, you know, had to be left alone. And obviously we, you know, want to keep everyone private for the, for privacy reasons, but, you know, are you willing to share some of those examples or stories where your team really has, I think had that reality of, oh my gosh, there are families without childcare here. Yeah. I think it's really important. And I I don't think it's a secret. I will be out on site and it's not uncommon for um, the manager and I to look out and see a child, maybe two, walking around in a diaper with nobody around, you know, but then you'll see that the seven-year-old run out and grab their sibling who wandered out into the parking lot, and we're trying to get them inside the community room, and it's very common to see children alone out in, out in on the site. And many times not dressed, wandering and not knowing, you know, who's safe or not, but it does happen a lot. And I think it's rather for, for us, it's shocking for them. It's normal. And we need to get the word out that this is not normal, that, you know, we need to let parents know that this is not the way we, we can raise our children. So many bad things can happen, but it does happen frequently. I've been in units where there will we'll do an inspection or will be called because someone thinks that the children are alone in the apartment 
and I've got kids that have been in there two or three days by themselves and haven't seen mom or dad in a few days. So, wow. you know, it, it's yeah. really a full spectrum of, of the things that you see. It's people's homes. And so that's where they do, that's where you get to see that nitty gritty of people um, right. trying to make a living. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, really sobering stories about reality and what families are having to deal with and face. And frankly, I think if more of our policymakers um, at the state level and other partners saw these realities, right? Because so many people, I think, are protected from seeing those things. If they saw them more often, then I think we would have more work being done around how we support you know, child care services and supports for young children and families co-located with affordable housing and attainable housing. So, you know, kind of diving into that a little bit more, I know that when the pandemic hit, you know, your team saw some real clear needs that families had when that pandemic hit. And, you know, obviously schedules were turned upside down, right? Kids were virtual learning and their schools were closed, and your team went into action mode. So can you tell right. us about that? What happened during the pandemic? Well, you know, as everybody knows, it was moment by moment. Nobody knew what was going to happen next. For us, for Joe and I, you know, people were, were saying, okay, we're not going to, there's not going to be any school. And so I'm thinking, there's no school. What are our kids going to do? And, you know, then what are they going to eat? What's going to happen? And a couple of parents would say, we heard this uh, kind of rumor in the, in the market rate properties that, oh, they're going to do these learning pods and all the kids are getting together and they're going to pay the teacher's salary. And, you know, we thought, wow, that, that, that's great for you guys, but what are we going to do for our residents who don't have that capability, who, who don't understand how to do that? We would go out on site and, of course, school was in session at the, at the community. You know, they would say that the schools would tell the kids, okay, well, you've got to check in online, do your homework online, and communicate with us three or four times a day online. Well, our kids don't have computers. Those families don't have computers. Mom has one cell phone and mom's at work. What, who's going to be able to check in and who's going to turn the homework in? So Joe and I said, well, if other people can do learning pods and do this, so can we. So we um, contracted with, with someone and she hopped in there, a teacher, and actually organized learning pods for um, our affordable housing project. All the kids would come down during the day and cool. Joe bought all kinds of Dell computers, laptop computers, headphones, and um, really taught these uh, teachers and helpers, kind of help them check in and help them do their homework and turn it in. Actually, it worked really well. And um, we got people to supply lunches for free. So it was good. We ended up with I, you know, I, our buildings were full of kids at, at in the community rooms doing their homework and learning math and learning reading. It, there was no question that some of these kids were super behind. I know that in the middle of the pandemic, we did have kids who, who were really in a lot of trouble at school and were being, their parents were being told that they were going to lose their positions in the school. They were going to get kicked out because nothing was getting turned in. 
they weren't doing the homework, and I know that these teachers worked day and night to get these kids through school. And I think a lot of them, without that help, they would have never, ever made it through the second or the third grade. So although behind, um, we really had some success, and we're very proud of what we were able to do with the POTS. So it kind of was part of the whole um, education thing for Del West. Yeah, I I love that that your team just jumped in and and really tried to help address a lot of those critical needs and again, I think a lot of things that people take for granted like having a computer at home and having easy access to technology is something that a lot of families really struggled with during the pandemic and I love taking the time to highlight some of these what I would call superhero moments for partners and community partners during the pandemic because you know there was a lot of pivoting a lot of responsiveness that happened and you know yes you know developers are in the business to build homes and obviously are are in the business to make money and make sure you know they have returns right so they can continue to do that work but you know you hear these stories about right okay well people need computers, right? Let's buy a bunch of computers and just, you know, jumping in and, and meeting the community's needs, I think really speaks to the commitment to being a community oriented development partner and really, you know, being committed to making sure that those needs are met and heard and listened to as well. So that's awesome. And when we talk about Joe, I feel like, you know, uh, just for our listeners as well, who is Joe? Right, right. With Joe. Yeah. Um, Joe is Joe Delzato. His family started a huge development and property management business in Canada. So they have over 80,000 units. So Joe has lived in America and in Denver for over 30 years. Again, I've not ever met anybody quite like him. He certainly um, puts his money where the, where, you know, where it belongs and definitely help the community and the people that live in these buildings. That's awesome. Well, in talking about some of the challenges with developing child care and, you know, early learning supports and educational supports on site with affordable and attainable housing, I know from working with your team that that has taken a lot of fortitude and a lot of commitment from your team. I think we have a long ways to go in becoming a state that puts the right incentives and supports and mechanisms in place to make this a much easier thing to do for developers. But what are some of your takeaways from that process? What do you think, you know, obviously works well, but what do you also think we need to do as a state to make this easier and a more attractive option for developers to include childcare and quality early education supports and services within affordable housing developments? I think it's a, I think that's a great point, Nicole. And, you know, again, this is not something that you have to do. This is not something that most developers think, okay, you know, I'm going to uh, give back my developer fee so that I can do these special services. And, and I understand why. I, I understand why you can't do that. I think that you, if, if it's something that's important to you and your community and your company, you, you need to be able to say, okay, I can do this for you, but what are you going to do for me? And I think the state needs to understand that not everybody can just come in and do these services. It it is expensive. It is um, difficult to do and to find people who will also provide the service on site. 
when you're talking about doing a development, many of them are getting tax credits to build this housing. And it certainly would be nice and beneficial to offer a developer those, those credits um, in, your, in your space to say, I, I want to put child care. I would like to have a, a child care center in my building. And in return, CHAFA or the state will give us certain tax credits to do so. I think that would incentivize people to do this. And I think it's necessary. I think it's extremely important. And I don't think it's something that the state of Colorado could continue to overlook. Yeah. So it sounds like we really need some very specific incentives tied to that child care and educational support piece with affordable and attainable housing. And as you mentioned, it is it is expensive. You know, the capital build out for child care is more expensive. It requires more plumbing and right other features, security features, as you know, yeah, um, right. you know, that do tally up a little bit. And of course, you know, many developers are really um, just trying to make sure that these projects, you know, underwrite uh, to break even mm-hmm. and really hit that bottom line piece. But there's not a huge amount of of wiggle room and, and movement in those financial models either, right? Right, exactly, exactly. Yeah. They're very tight. They're very yeah. tight to do. Yeah. yeah. Curious from your perspective, obviously you've um, you've been an executive member for a little over a year and you're also on our board of directors. So if you could share a little bit more about, you know, why did you get involved in Epic, um, but also why should other business leaders be involved in Epic? Why do you feel this is important to you? For one thing, I think Epic is fantastic in, in what they do. And I was lucky. God was shining down on me one day when I met Nicole. And I thought, oh my gosh, you know, if we could make this happen, um, our initial conversations were um, obviously, the child care piece for Nicole, and I and I think, oh my gosh, we could do this. We could put this into our affordable housing buildings, and wouldn't this be great? And I don't think that we would have come this far without Epic. Just the fight in the background, you know, saying this is important, and making sure that the state does hear this. Without an organization like Epic, I don't think people would have any idea about the need for child care for number one, and they wouldn't understand the need for affordable housing and then combining both. I think what Epic does is amazing, and I think they spend a lot of time making making this happen for a lot of us. So. Well, thank you, Stacy. I'm so happy that we've had the chance to work with you and your team on this project as well, and that we have your expertise and your leadership and your experience in our membership and our board. And as you know, part of Epic is really you know, leveraging that credibility and influence and social capital that business leaders have to really get things done for our children and families in Colorado. And it's been it's been very effective over the years. And I know that, know that we'll continue to be effective too. And I'm just very excited to work with you and your team. Uh, of course, you know, we're working on a report right now around community development and the inclusion of childcare and early education as we plan and develop our communities, something that's yeah. so important. And as we think about the needs of families, as we think about, you know, certainly our entire state looking different post-pandemic, but certainly our urban centers as well. What does that mean as we plan for not just the big humans who need housing and are right. looking for all those services, but all the little humans who come with them as well? Right, exactly. And there's a lot of them. 
Yes. yes, there are a lot of them. That's for sure. Yes. And we want more of them. Let's be clear, we right? Our, our workforce and our economy yeah. is contingent on more little humans um, coming exactly. to fruition. So, um, yeah, so all great things. Well, thank you, Stacey, for joining us today on the drop-off epic conversations about the workforce of today and the talent of tomorrow. I wish you, of course, the best of luck with all of the incredible work that you are doing in our affordable housing sector. And also thank you for your service to the community and also to early care and education here in Colorado. So thank you. Thank you, Nicole. Thank you for having me. The Drop-Off is a production of Executives Partnering to Invest in Children. Please rate, review, and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. For more information about our organization, visit coloradoepic.org.